So we're continuing it in our sermon series called David, uh, Shaped by God, uh, looking at the second half of the book of 1 Samuel. We're working through chapter by chapter. So we started in chapter 16 where David is prayed for by the prophet Samuel to be king. But then David really gets put in a, in a, in a load of pressure. Uh, we saw last week that David was fleeing from Saul, the king, who's now intent on killing him. And uh, David's now on the run. So we've got into chapter 21 and I've called this sermon today, uh, David Handling Pressure, because there is pressure coming on David. And we'll read, we'll read chapter 21, we'll read verse 1 to th- 3, drop to verse 7, read to the end of the chapter, and then we'll read uh, just a few verses into chapter 22. So uh, 1 Samuel 21, David is on the run here from uh, Saul, who he's now found out is trying to kill him. Then David came uh, to Nob, the, to Ahimelech, the priest. And Ahimelech came to meet David trembling and said to him, why are you alone and no one is with you? And David said to Ahimelech, the priest, uh, the king has charged me with a matter and said to me, uh, let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Uh, now then, uh, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. And then they have a conversation for a few verses about this. Well, actually, the only bread I've got is the leavened bread, the special bread. And they kind of talk about that. And then we'll drop to verse seven. It says, now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. His name was Doeg the Edomite, the chief of Saul's herdsmen. Then David said to Ahimelech, uh, then have you not here a spear or a sword at hand? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, well, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take... uh, If you will take that, take it, for there is none uh, but that here. And David said, there is none like that. Give it to me. And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Alkish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Alkish said to him, is not this David king of the land? Did they not sing uh, to one another of him in dances? As Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Alkish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behaviour before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. Then Alkish said to his servants, Behold, You see, the man is mad. Why have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? Moving to 1 Samuel 22, first two verses. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him and he became commander over them. 
and there were with him about 400 men. This is called this sermon, David Handling Pressure. Three things I want to look at here. Uh, The first is more of an introduction. I've called it God's intention to shape us. Then we'll look at how do we often react to God's shaping and then what are some of the lessons that David is learning here that apply to us. God's intention to shape us is my first point here. See, this whole series is a story about David training to be a great king through the circumstances of life as we work through chapter by chapter. And God is intentional in what he does with David. We can see David by the end of the passage that we read, he's starting to grow up, but through the chapter, he's in a whole lot of trouble. And I think God's thrown him in there and he's going to see what happens. And for a while, David does not do well. And that's what God does with us sometimes. I know in my own life, God's done that. He's trying to shape me into the image of Christ. And sometimes he puts me into situations that seem really difficult. It's like, why is this happening, God? Stop it. Let me out. I want to get out of this. I don't understand it. Stop it. And it's crucial how we react in these moments. That's why this is important, because God is about shaping you. Okay, it says in Galatians 5, 16, in effect, we're being trained to live by the Holy Spirit. Paul says, Galatians 5, 16, live by the Holy Spirit. And that's what he wants us to do day by day. We learn to live by the Holy Spirit. God is training us. He's teaching us to do that. So that by verse 22 of Galatians 5, we'll be able to see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control is fruits of the Holy Spirit. As we live by the Spirit more and more, as God shapes us into the image of Christ, these fruits of the Spirit, this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, start to flow out of us, start to be evident to others. See, maybe at the moment you feel limited, you feel pressed in by God. It feels, and it can for many of us in this season right now, it's like we're pressed in, we're hard pressed on every side. God, let me out of this thing. Just be careful. Maybe God is shaping you. Maybe he's doing, he's teaching you things. See, God's intention is to shape us into the image of Christ, just as it was to make David a great king. My second point is this. How will we react? Maybe you had a view of how your life would work out and it hasn't turned out that way. Maybe it's different. I never thought it would be like this. I never thought it would be as hard as this. Maybe God is intent on shaping you because he's got great plans for your life. Just quick, let me go through some things. I think different ways we can react. Here's my second point. How do we, how will we react? The first way I think we can react is we can forget what we've learned. We basically panic. I've seen it happen. I've happened in my own life. Pressure comes. I panic. I think, oh, I, when I first came to God, I remember I was so excited. I was so happy. I was so joyous. I thought, this is going to be amazing. And as soon as pressure comes, as, as soon as I get put in a challenging situation, I panic. I do something really foolish. In a moment, I, I haven't learned. I don't stop. I haven't got the wisdom to stop and be patient and think and pray and get counsel from others. I just do something foolish. I panic. This is too difficult. Get me out. That's what I do. When the pressure comes, we can so easily throw everything away. 
And transforming and changing us into the image of Christ takes time. It's going to take the rest of our lives. It takes endurance. It takes patience. I remember I I used to do a lot of um, mountain biking. There's some big hills in the UK around where I live. And there's a particular uh, 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 bike race you can do, which is around 160 kilometres. It's 100 miles. I've done it three or four times in a day. It's extremely difficult. But it takes me every time about three to four months to train for this. If I just turn up on the day and get on my bike, I guarantee I will not make it. Far too difficult. And you have this regime every day, probably three or four times a week, for three or four months, I would ride parts of this course and you gradually increase the amount you ride each day. And then you scale back with about one week, 10 days to go. If you don't do that, chances are you won't get to the end of it. You have to train, you have to be patient, you have to be diligent. And I, start, I noticed I started to change. So when I start training for this thing, I'm hopeless. I think I'm never going to do this thing. And then three months in, I can do it. It's because I stick to it. It's because I, I follow a plan. It's because I'm patient. And slowly I start to change and be able to cycle a bit longer and up steeper hills and keep doing it again and again and again. That's what happens. It takes time to change. We are changed from one degree of glory. It says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. We're not changed instantly. It's one degree of glory at a time. We get changed slowly. One degree. God changes. And we want instant results. And sometimes I look back on my life. I don't think sometimes I could even see the way that I was changing. So one thing we can do, when God starts to put things in our life that cause pressure, we can panic. We can do foolish things. We see David doing it here. I don't know if you, when I was reading, we see David doing extraordinary things. In verse two, he's lying to the priest. He's basically, so he's, the priest is saying, what are you doing, David? Uh, David said, oh, no, the king. So that is Saul has told me to do this and do this journey and come here. And it's lies. Saul's trying to kill him. He hasn't told him to go there at all. And David's going, oh, yeah, the king told me to come here. No, he didn't, David. You just made it up. You're telling a lie. Pressure. David reacts in the moment. Panic. He takes Goliath's sword. He shouldn't be taking Goliath's sword. Uh, In verse 10, he he flees to the Philistines. What What is he doing? He's going to his enemies. In verse 12, it says he's afraid again. So in verse 13, he then pretends he feigns madness before the king. He's making it up. He's afraid. It says he's in fear. David is panicking. Don't panic when tough circumstances come on you. So the way we react, the second way we can react is we can take no notice. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 says this, do not regard lightly the the discipline of the Lord. And we cannot like that word discipline. What it really means, we have to understand the context. It would be the teaching of a child by a tutor until the child had reached adult age. Do not regard lightly the training, the instruction of God that will help me reach full maturity, which is how you could read that word discipline. Do not regard it lightly. So what we can do, we can take no notice. So we said we can panic. We can also take no notice. Do not regard lightly. I just take no notice of this. I'm not even aware you're doing anything in my life. I'm just not that bothered, really. Don't take it lightly when God starts to instruct you into maturity and help you grow into the image of Christ. We can take no notice. We learn nothing. We don't change. We kind of ignore it. Not even aware of what's going on. 
So we panic, we can take no notice, we can get crushed in spirit. The verse continues, Hebrews 12, 5, says, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. We can get crushed in our spirit and give up. We can panic, we can take no notice, we get crushed. God, this is too hard. I'm just going to give up. You don't know how hard it is. I'm going to give up. I can't see a way through this. We just get weary in our spirits. We can also let a root of bitterness spring up. Hebrews 12, verse 15 says, don't let a root of bitterness spring up. We can get angry with God. It's God, this isn't the way I thought it was going to be. God, you can't put me in this position. I I didn't think it would be like this. What are you doing? And we let bitterness spring up. Don't panic. Don't get crushed. Take some notice of what God's doing. Don't get bitter. Learn from it. Learn from it. So we've looked at God's intention to shape us. We've looked at the different ways we can react. What about how is David changing? This is my third point. How is David changing then? First point is this, he's learning to take responsibility. We see it in verse uh, 1 Samuel 22, those first two verses we read out. Basically, verse 1 says he's escaped to the cave of Adullam and all his family have joined him there. That would be all his wider family, his relatives. And then in verse 2, it says, and everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him and he became commander over them. What a group of people. Everyone who's in distress, everyone who's in debt, everyone who is bitter gathered to him. This is where it's heading towards. He's starting to take responsibility for this group of people. God has got his hand on him. God has got his hand on circumstances here. David is beginning to be able to lead them now. This is what God does. We see it in the Bible. You look at the life of Elijah. Elijah's called to save a nation. It's called to go to a king and and represent God. But he ends up being sent to a brook to get some water and on his own and to be fed by a raven. And then in the end, the water dries up completely. And then he's sent to a widow and a son at Zarephath. And then uh, the boy dies and he has to pray for the boy. Disaster. You think, no, you're supposed to lead a nation, Elijah. And God's saying, no, no, I'm taking you here and I'm taking you here first and I'm developing your character. I'm doing things in your life. This is what's happening with David. David has been a shepherd over sheep and we see now in, 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 in this verse, in chapter 22, at the beginning of chapter 22, he's starting to be a shepherd over people and not just sheep. And this is what God is doing in his life. He's starting to take responsibility. God is teaching him. It's the first thing, I think, how David's changing here. Out of all this mountain of trouble he's been in this chapter, we're starting to see him now. He comes out of it in the end after, after lying, after disaster, after doing crazy things. Oh, OK, he's starting to take responsibility. We'll see how God allows that to happen in a moment and maybe why God allows it to happen. The second thing I think he's changing is learning empathy. So he's learning to take responsibility. He's learning empathy. See, David was a hero at a young age. 
crowds, fans, they're singing about him. Oh, Saul's killed thousands, but whoa, David's killed 10,000s. David is so amazing. He's a young man. The crowds, we see it in society today. We see popular culture deeply affects people. David, you're amazing. We love you, David. We're cheering for you. Oh, you're, you're so much better than the King Saul. Look at you. You've killed tens of thousands. David, you're a mighty warrior. We love you, David. Surely David had the potential to be quite a horrible king. No connection with the broken and the downtrodden and the bitter, the outcast. Those he was there to really serve. But God works it a different way. See, God is teaching him about empathy, about sympathy, about looking after others that aren't like him. You see, God loves to put us alongside people who are different to us. I know that in my life. I think if you've ever been in a life group, we run life groups in this church at Grace City where we connect midweek. And I know we're doing it digitally different at the moment, but these are huge for us. We love gathering on a Sunday as the people of God. And then we work our lives out week by week in life groups. If you're not in one, Email the church, find your way into one. They're a vital part of life about growing up in God together. But I've been put in some groups before with people and I think I'd never normally be in a group with you. Why am I in this group? You're difficult. You don't think the same way as me. You say things that kind of annoy me sometimes. God's growing me up. He's maturing me. That's what he does. That's why we need each other. That's why we need to be around people that are a little different to us. It's part of God shaping us into the image of Christ. And you may say, well, Jesus, how can Jesus relate to my background, my pain, my situation? The writers of the Hebrews again, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. This is talking about Jesus as a high priest who's gone before us, before the Father in heaven. He says this about Jesus. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet is without sin. Jesus has been tempted in every way, every respect as we are and yet is without sin. He can sympathise with all our weaknesses. What a saviour. Jesus is amazing. He's been tempted in every way. He understands the things that we struggle with. And yet he was amazing enough. He was brave enough, courageous enough to be without sin so that we who are with sin, who have sinned, can be made right with God by accepting his perfect life. Jesus understands us fully. He understands the loneliness, the pain, the setback, the disappointment. He understands it all. So David has learned to take responsibility. I think he's learning empathy here. He's learning to deal with people and lead people very different to himself. And I think he's learning to see God's grace. You see, if no chapter 21, then I don't know how much David would have appreciated God's grace. In chapter 21, David really gets himself in trouble. He panics, he tells lies. He goes to the Philistines and tries to join them. And then he pretends to be mad, gets afraid, he's fearful. David is a mess, but he's learning God's grace. So he seems to have done so well. He has done well so far, but this it all goes wrong in this chapter. And I'm sure David must have felt a degree of shame and failure. Have I lost the promises of God? 
The problem is we can swing between the two. When it goes well, when life seems to be going well, we can think, oh, aren't I doing well? I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite good. <laughs> we take the credit for ourselves. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty got this together. I'm doing well. When it starts to go wrong, we tend to get angry with God and blame God and never ourselves. If it's good, it's, well, yeah, it's me. And if it's bad, well, it's God. And we can get angry with God. and We can withdraw from God. We can get a bit ashamed of our performance or we just try harder. And neither of those are right. See, David has not done well and surely that means there's hope for us. David allows, God allows David to taste some bad things. And I'll finish with this. Look, Psalm 34. If you can quickly flick to Psalm 34 either on your phone or you have a Bible in front of you. Psalm 34 is David's reflections. It's what he's learnt, it's what he's learning as he's with the Philistines at the end of 1 Samuel uh, chapter 20. It's where, it's where he is. It's, what, it's, it's right there now. This is written for 1 Samuel, sorry, I mean 1 Samuel 21. This is written for 1 Samuel 21, verse 10 through 14. This is his reflections. It's Psalm 34. And I'll finish with this. It's a long psalm, so I won't, I'll just make reflections. I'll just highlight from this psalm. Verse 4 of Psalm 34. David says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. This is his time when he's feigning madness before the king of the Philistines. I sought the Lord and he, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. David runs after God. It's what he does. It's what he does. He's learning. Some point he, he, he realises what's going on and he runs to God. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from my fears. I was afraid, but then I ran to God and he delivered me. Friends, are we doing that? Do we do that when the pressure's on? Do we run to God or do we run to other things? Verse 8 of Psalm 34. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him experience God. He's, he's not just running after God. He's now, he's now tasting and seeing the goodness of the Lord. This is involving the senses. He's experiencing God in the midst of trouble. He's running after God and then he's experiencing God. We have a God in the Bible who's there to be experienced. Taste and see that the Lord is good. The Holy Spirit can help you experience the love of God, the wonder of knowing God. Ask, ask God for that. Say, God, I want to taste and see more of your goodness. I want to experience you. I want my emotions to be impacted. I want to feel the love of God being poured into me. Verse 13, he says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. He was aware he was doing wrong. He's praying. He's kind of saying, keep, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. David's lips had spoken deceit in this chapter. He's aware of wrongdoing. He's confessing it to God. Do we, are we doing that? Verse 15 of Psalm, of this, yeah, verse 15 of the Psalm 34. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears towards their cry. God is watching and listening. He's, he's trusting that God is watching the righteous and his ears are towards their prayers or their cries. What a great verse. When you pray, God's ears are attentive to your prayers. You're praying through Jesus Christ. You're hidden in Christ. 
God is watching and listening, even when it feels like he isn't. It's like you can be in situations under pressure. Where is God? He doesn't, doesn't seem like he's here. This is David when he went to the Philistines. He's under pressure. He's struggling. He's fearful. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears towards their cry. You cry out to God, he's listening. That's what David is saying here. Verse 18, he says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. He shows real repentance. David is brokenhearted at what's happened. And he's crushed in spirit. He's, he's, he's allowed the weight of what he's done to impact his heart. He's changing. It's like, God, this is bad. I've lied. I've gone to the Philistines. What am I doing? It's like landed on him. He's changing. He's softening before God. He's brokenhearted. God must, oh, look at David. I can shape this person now. He's realising what he's done. He's really repenting. He's turning round. He's realising he's done wrong. Second half of verse 22, none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. There is no condemnation for us. Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those of us who are now in Christ Jesus. God loves you too much to leave you. Let me just summarise as I finish. He loves you too much just to leave you. He's going to try to shape you into the image of Christ. He's, he will, there will be pressure in your life. Don't panic. Don't ignore what God's doing. Don't get crushed in your spirit. Don't give up. Don't get bitter. Let empathy for others increase. Allow God's grace to move in your life. Run after God. Pray to him that he, you'll experience him more. Be real with him. Tell him how you're feeling. It's good to be loved by God. We see David growing up here. We see him running back to God. Maybe you're under pressure right now. We're going to sing together. Just come with your pressure. Come to God now. Lift his name up with singing. Let's praise him together as we continue our time.